From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. The aging U.S. population may bode well for senior housing providers, but the so-called senior tsunami doesn't guarantee success in the complicated business of providing homes and services for older adults. So says Jill Johnson, a Minneapolis-based consultant with more than 30 years of experience in the senior living arena. Johnson, the president and founder of Minneapolis-based Johnson Consulting Services, speaks from experience. A three-time finance and commerce top women in finance honoree and Hall of Fame inductee, Johnson counts two of the nation's 10 largest not-for-profit senior living organizations among her clients, and she has consulted on more than $4 billion worth of business activity for clients in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. Taking a boots-on-the-ground approach to her work, Johnson has visited more than 2,000 senior living communities in the United States and has studied thousands more from a distance, according to her bio. Last month, Johnson spoke with reporter Brian Johnson about her new book, Market Forces, Strategic Trends Impacting Senior Living Providers. The book touches on everything from demographics to capital markets as they relate to senior living providers. In her interview, Johnson talks about the challenges and opportunities for senior living providers from both a local and national perspective. Happy to be here with uh, Jill Johnson, uh, president and founder of Johnson Consulting Service. Service is a management consulting firm specializing in strategy development for senior living providers based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, Jill, thank you for joining us today. Well, it's really nice to be here, Brian. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. Well, can you first talk a little bit about your uh, consulting business and, and what you do and who some of your clients are and just a little bit about your experience in this Sure. World. Well, I've worked actually in the senior living industry for over three decades. I was very young when I started. Um, I came out of, come out of the CPA consulting arena, and the firm that I used to work for was nationally regarded as a management consulting practice that worked in senior living. And when I started my business in 1987, I, st- I had clients from the firm that followed me, and I had some reputation as a, even as a young consultant for the working in this space and over the years have worked coast to coast uh, border uh, from Seattle to Florida California to Rhode Island and everywhere in between mm. I've probably physically been in at least 2,000 senior living communities around the country and we've easily studied at least three to four thousand um, as we've done market assessments for clients mm. a few of the uh, organizations that I've worked with are uh, Covenant Retirement Communities, which is one of the top five uh, national nonprofit players on the Ziegler top list. 
Um, Mayo Clinic's uh, Retirement Community Charter House has been a long-standing client for me as well. And we've worked with a variety of providers that in their market are very significant, but most of your listeners may not have heard of. And mm-hmm. um, so we've just, we've worked all over the place and seen a lot, done a lot, and had worked with a lot of people who were in great distress. Well, very interesting. That's certainly a lot of experience. And before we get into the book itself, I guess uh, well, I should mention that you're the author of a recently published book, Market Forces, Strategic Trends Impacting Senior Living Providers. And uh, can you talk a little bit, I guess, about your reason for writing the book and uh, who your target market is? Sure. Well, I wrote the book. It's based off of a speaking engagement I did for Leading Age, which is one of the um, major associations for the senior living space. And I was pulling back the curtain for C-level executives that are operating in very complex markets or who found themselves to be in occupancy distress. Um, A lot of it has to do with the um, significant influx of new competitive products that's come into the market over the last period of years but it's more than that and so what I really wanted to do was to take some of that insight that I've gained and gleaned from working with clients that were really in trouble and be able to bring that forward to help to share in the industry there's no other book like it that we've been able to find that really helps to lay out really key strategic points for an enterprise to think about and so this was an opportunity to to share some of that knowledge and insight and also I get calls every week Um, we have great search engine optimization on my website and so every week I'm getting calls from people who want to enter the industry Mm -hmm. and they think it's so easy because of the demographic tsunami Mm -hmm. well if we just open up a building we'll be full in a matter of weeks and so it was also an opportunity for me to share some of the perspective with those people about how difficult this industry really is and how you still have to be a savvy business um, enterprise in order to have a chance to succeed in it. And so we, mm. it, for me, it provided a couple different opportunities. But the mm. response to the book, the early response um, to those we've shared it with has been really strong and mm-hmm. making even senior uh, seasoned professionals go, I never thought about that. You've given me some really good food for thought. And, mm-hmm. and for me, that was exactly what I wanted to be able to do. Well, great. And you talked a little bit about, it looks like there's kind of a field of dream syndrome going on here. Build it and they will come. (laughs) You referred to the senior tsunami. What are some of the pitfalls that people should look out for if they're looking to get into this industry? Well, and, and even if they're in the industry already, I mean, I think the, the problem is is the markets are shifting and changing. And with all of the influx of competition, one of the things that we see in market after market is every time a new competitor comes into play, it redefines the market area for existing providers. And so, you know, we have a client in Ohio we've done a lot of work with, and, um, you know, they used to capture a couple zip codes north of their site. Well, because they're attractive competitive alternatives in that northern area now, those folks that have the means and the interests don't need to move all the way to where their site is because they've got alternatives close to home. And and so we see that in, in market after market, and so that's that's 
probably one of the biggest mm -hmm. issues that, that we see that folks have. Mm -hmm. And then the demographics, which I hope we can talk about in, in a little bit greater detail. The demographics are changing. Um, when, the, when I first started working in the industry, we were serving the um, GI generation. And you know those are the folks that um, served in World War II or were the age peers of those who did. Right now, we're dealing with the silent generation. And the silent generation is different in their attitudes, their expectation. You know, for, for fitness programming, for example, with the GIs, you could just, you know, turn on Jack LaLanne and, and they would sit and watch Jack LaLanne exercise. Well, today, seniors know that exercise impacts their cognitive health mm -hmm. and how they physically feel. So now they've made new demands on providers. And, and so we're just, we're seeing all sorts of shifting within the industry, both in programming, physical plant resources, and what it takes to really be successful. And then we also see just a whole shift of people moving into assisted living to take care of uh, memory care, but there's complexities in that market as well. Yeah. There's a, been a lot of discussion about the whole continuum of care model, mm -hmm. and what what can you say about that, and, and uh, what are you, are you seeing a lot of that, and, and what are some of the advantages? Well, the continuum of care model in its simplest form means that you have at least three major components that you offer. There's some layer of independent living, and then typically we define independent living as one meal or fewer per day, some services, but you're not doing everything for the resident. Um, and they're there, they live their life. Maybe they're getting a little support here and there, weekly housekeeping, they might have transportation, but for the most part, they're just living their life. And maybe most of their life is just lived in your, in your community, but it's, they're independent. Assisted living is that next level up. And when you think back in the old days, skilled nursing, skilled nursing, we all have those, those um, you know, I'm never going to put my mom there kind of perspective. But assisted living has taken over some of the role that the old uh, skilled nursing used to play. Mm -hmm. So you're getting people in assisted living who need more support. So typically there's three meals a day. They have access to medication management assistance. Now you can get some of that in your independent living. That's where it gets a little confusing, but in its truest form. Um, and, and they provide a more supervised living environment for those who live there. And then skilled nursing has evolved because of the expense and the cost to more of a rehab setting. So if you were discharged from the hospital, you had a hip replacement, you might go to skilled nursing for rehab and then go home. Or if you're a uh, a Medicaid resident who has multiple what they call comorbidities so you've got multiple serious health conditions that require 24-hour supervision and monitoring and you are being in and, and you're uh, being paid for by your state government you'll often see those folk in skilled nursing assisted living and I was actually involved in some of the teams that were developing the earliest assisted living modeling um, for market feasibility back when I worked for the CPA firm consulting group and um, and back then, you know, we called assisted living the alternative to a nursing home, and that's actually what it has become. Mm -hmm. And so, if you're a private pay individual, assisted living is a more appealing option. And so, many of those providers will have services and resources that will help you age in place. And some of them are even now today pushing the boundaries of the heavy levels of care that to 
traditionally you could only get in a skilled nursing setting. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a high level of, of the differences. One other thing I want to say to that, and this is what we see in market after market, is it's very smudgy today. So when I say in its truest form, this is independent, this is assisted, etc. Now we're seeing independent living that are adding more services or maybe mm -hmm. adding an additional set of meals so that residents are aging in place so you might have more of a mix of people or we see a community that as i would define it is assisted living but their marketing is independent because it's more palatable to the seniors in the local market so what what folks have to understand and know is it's not just enough to see what it's labeled. You have to really go in and understand what their services are, what's included in the service fee, and so forth. And a lot of providers, I get calls, um, again, usually from people that are new to the industry. They call it assisted living, but what they meant was independent. And mm -hmm. so it, it, takes some, it takes a bit of time to try and discern what is it people are actually talking about um, when they're talking about the care levels that they're intending to offer. But mm -hmm. it's, it's not as easy as people people might think. Yeah, great point. And one of the big challenges, of course, with any type of housing is affordability. And what can you say about the affordability challenge? You mentioned private pay. I'm sure there are a lot of options for people who can do that. But what about those who uh, maybe aren't in that uh, position and, and uh, need more uh, affordable options? Well, you know, we're seeing some shift in the marketplaces. And, and again, it, it's based community by community. So um, it's not uncommon for some states to have a, like an elderly waiver program where if an older adult really needs assisted living, there's a, a portion of their housing that will be paid for by the state through their Medicaid program. But most of the providers really want to limit the amount of that that they'll accept in their assisted living um, setting because it's not cost effective. They don't get compensated enough typically for what the cost of care really is. And what ends up happening is that the rates that they charge their private pay residents actually the prices increase at a higher rate for those folk to cover the uncompensated care that, that the waiver residents are receiving. So it's mm -hmm. kind of a chicken and an egg. Um, you, can't, you can't afford um, to operate a building on just strictly just using the waiver program or you know even skilled nursing. You can't survive just strictly on Medicaid. The, the reimbursement's just not strong enough. Mm -hmm. So we'll often see a mix. We're seeing a lot more um, providers looking for, uh, beginning to start to look at a middle market opportunity. Um, but, you know, there's really two ends of that spectrum. You either have the money or you don't, and it's getting harder and harder. Most of the competitors that we see coming into marketplaces all across the country, again, are coming in at that higher end. They're looking for that upper income uh, uh, resident who's got assets and means. But if everybody is seeking out that option, the market can get oversaturated very quickly, mm -hmm. and then the occupancy levels start to distress. We have a, this client, Ohio, is mentioning there are three new major competitors coming into their market. Mm -hmm. They've been in there for a long time. They're the premier player 
They've spent millions of dollars based on the recommendations that we've made to renovate and retrofit their 30-plus-year-old campus. So their, their physical plant is competitive, but they had a competitor that opened essentially across the street from them. It was a deal that we passed on joint venturing with, mm-hmm. um, with them because it just didn't make any sense. And that provider is less than 40% occupied in their assisted living building, and they've been open for almost a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. It, uh, we just My client just toured them last week and when they sent me the numbers you know I just sent them an email back I said that's just dismal that's even worse than I thought it would be but their price points are high Mm. Um, you know there's all sorts of things that go into that and um, but you know we see a lot of people because cost of construction is high Mm -hmm. they're trying to build it into those fees and then you sacrifice market share for, and and then everything is off, and so that was that was pretty dismal. But frankly, we're seeing that more and more mm-hmm. um, in other markets where there's overbuilding, and a competitor will end up going out of business. We had that happen with a small town, um, with a client that I had. We revamped their marketing. We got them better positioned, um, and the competitor was just hanging on by a thread and as the client got more competitive the competitor went out of business they just couldn't hold on any longer not Mm -hmm. that that's a good or bad thing but they hadn't invested in their physical infrastructure their service package really didn't meet the market i mean Mm -hmm. it was a building that had over um had had long since completed its useful life Mm -hmm. and the day that it closed my client hit 95 percent occupancy and they'd been struggling for several years since they'd done a, um, an expansion of their site. Mm. So we see all sorts of things, and mm. markets are quite unique. Yeah, I was going to say, you really have to know your local market, right? Because what might work in one market might be a total flop in another market, just depending on the situation there. I couldn't agree more. And that's part of the problem that we see when we work with multi-site enterprises is they you know, are looking to have a corporate branding and um, they want you know it to almost like Starbucks they want it to feel like a seamless experience from site to site Mm -hmm. but yet the local markets are very different sometimes there's differences in um, are they entrance fee markets where an upscale uh, prospect is going to expect to have a high level uh, you know an expensive hundreds of thousands of dollars for a buy-in well in some markets that's the norm for uh, the premier and quality facilities in a state like minnesota we only have like six or seven entrance fee communities Mm -hmm. we have a lot of continuum of care communities Mm -hmm. but very few that charge that entrance fee on the front end and so market by market you might see certain services bundled in and in another market they're unbundled and that's because that's how the consumers in that market expect to pay for what they they want to have freedom and choice and so you really have to calibrate to what the local market expectations really are and that's where mm-hmm. re- upfront research and making sure you really know your local market come into play mm-hmm. and how would you describe the state of the local market here in the twin cities it seems like every time i turn around i see another proposal for a new senior housing facility whether it's independent living memory care whatever it just seems like they're coming up all the time um what, what's your assessment of what's happening here? Well, I would completely agree with you. And, and I think the, the fairest thing I could say is that consumers in the Twin Cities do not lack for options. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've, we've just seen such an influx in this marketplace. And um, 
so consumers really have choice. Um, I think part of the challenge, you know, I get a lot of questions from people who know that I understand this industry well, um, that are, you know, looking for their own mom or, or thinking about encouraging their folks to, to make that choice. You know, we give them a lot of tips on, on how to go in and tour. And, and one of the challenges with a new community is they promise a lot of everything under the sun, but they don't have a sense of community yet. Mm. Whereas an established operator who's been around for a while, um, you know, they've got their team, you know, it's a well-oiled machine. You can really get a sense of kind of the resident culture, if you will, when you go into a property that's been in the market for a while. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we see with newer communities is they struggle with that for a bit as they're trying to get the identity. And so if mm -hmm. it's an experienced operator, you know, they're, they know how to come in and, and create that, whereas a new provider, you know, they're at the mercy of the team that they've been able to acquire. But staffing is very difficult too. Mm -hmm. And so that's a problem that we're seeing with all of the influx. And and we see that, you know, in spades in the Twin Cities is people that, um, you know, it's just getting harder and harder to fill positions. Mm -hmm. And that's in great part because of the rapid expansion. You know, mm -hmm. other markets are, are also experiencing the same influx, but Minnesota already had quite an extensive array of housing to begin with. And we have cooperative housing for older adults here, so there's a, a different kind of a buy-in on the front end. And Minnesota is pretty much the only state that has a pretty significant concentration of cooperative housing. And those are typically very attractive to more of that empty nester, relatively earlier stage retiree um, that might be, let's say, 70 years old, um, or, you know, is just looking to downsize, wants a little equity, maybe 75, but they're really not ready um, for meals or access to meals and things like that. Mm -hmm. And typically with a cooperative, you can age in place there, bring your own home health agency in to help you if you ever need assistance. And so Minnesota is a very unusual market. Yeah, and my guess is even within the Twin Cities, uh, uh, an outsider might make the mistake of thinking that the Twin Cities is just this homogenous community, but what might work in Woodbury might not work in Richfield, I'm guessing. What What is your take on that that would be true and I you know I have I've got a variety of clients in the Twin Cities that are mature providers that have been in their markets for a long time mm -hmm. um, and their communities are changing as mm -hmm. you know when they first established you know they were the um, westward uh, suburb if you will or the eastern suburb and you know that was an attractive upscale appealing suburb mm -hmm. well over 30 years you know, people have now gone to Plymouth and Maple Grove. Their mm. their children have moved out there, so they're moving further out. Whereas some of those inner tier suburbs, um, economically, are shifting a little bit. So, um, you know, they're more maybe more middle income, or um, they've had an influx of um, uh, folks that have less income and less means. And so, for them to sustain and to market. Because you know, the, it's not like they can pick up their physical plant and move it to a more affluent community. Mm -hmm. Requires that those providers have to adapt uh, to that local market and make sure that they're affordable and providing the resources and the services that meet the evolving local need. And that's hard. We we see a lot of providers get caught off guard because they were used to providing to the market the way the market always was, mm -hmm. 
And now the market's very different. And they think they know the market, but they haven't detached enough to go back in and do, we call it a remarket analysis, to really reassess exactly what's going on. And a lot of times we get called in to, to do those kinds of things. And when I share in the book is, is to help providers understand that those shifting demographics and generational uh, influences really do make a difference in how they have to think strategically about the site that they have and they operate. Mm-hmm. Certainly, a lot of thought needs to go into it. <laughs> well, you know, I tell people this is one of this. Actually, you know, people think, "Oh, senior living, yeah, that's no big deal," mm-hmm. but it's actually you know one of the most complex business enterprises that you can find. Mm-hmm. If you step back and think about it, you've got elements of multifamily housing. Mm-hmm. You have food service and restaurant service that you're offering and operating. You have hospitality component. Um, You might have education and activities um, because this group of seniors, they want to continue learning. So now you're having to figure out how are we going to deliver great courses or partner with a local college. Um, You know, it's more than just, oh, let's read the newspaper of the day. Um, You have fitness and wellness programs. So now you'll go in and there will be almost state of the art fitness centers Mm -hmm. in some of these upscale and high-end senior communities where they've got personal trainers and you know it's not like you all sit in a circle and you you know move the armbands a little bit Mm -hmm. it's a very different animal so you have to have staffing that can can handle and run and program to that and then you have the whole layer of healthcare. so you might have with with rehab services, you know, much of that is the is the immediate step down from the hospital. So they're dealing with more complex medical conditions, mm-hmm. a lot of complex comorbidities. So that's multiple complex, challenging health conditions, um, and then you've got outpatient services that you're offering perhaps Um, you might have a home health agency that serves your residents or serves people in the local community you might have a hospice that's a whole different line of business Mm -hmm. to to look at Mm -hmm. and then you've got facilities and ground maintenance that you have to handle and and engage in and Mm -hmm. and so that's just the tip of the iceberg so each one of those is a separate business entity if you will that's all under this umbrella called senior living. Mm-hmm. And and for a provider to be able to provide all of those aspects in a seamless and, and um, impactful manner, it requires a lot more thought than, oh, let's just open up the building and people will just run run into our house and we can take care of them. It's mm-hmm. There's a lot more that goes into it. And, and the providers that do it well are exceptional. And they make such a difference for those they serve. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of, um, at Mayo Clinic, I've had the privilege of interviewing 90 of their geriatricians, um, world-class physicians, about the, the strategies for healthy aging and what does it really take. And what's so interesting to me is that so many of of the components of what it takes to age well, those resources are all offered in a senior living setting. Mm. And so a smart older or smart um, older adult will recognize that they can get the socialization that they need. They can get access to good nutrition um, and re- food resources. They've got access to the fitness and exercising programs that will help keep them ambulatory and mobile. And all of those things are housed together under this umbrella called senior housing. And mm-hmm. so it can be a very, very impactful strategy for healthy aging for an older adult and their family. 
Yeah, and there's a whole layer of government regulations, I'm <laughs> sure, too. That well, that's one of the market forces we do talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, every election cycle, it affects the industry. Yeah. Um, you you know, you look just, for example, in the city of Minneapolis with some of the um, the labor um, challenge, uh, labor uh, regulations that they were looking at passing mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. You know, that had an impact on a provider um, that's in the city of Minneapolis. And if they've got sites in other parts of the Twin Cities, you know, they might deploy other resources to another location because it's more difficult to do business in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, as I move from Minnesota to uh, Florida, there are different rules and regulations. I had a call from somebody mm-hmm. in Kentucky um, a couple weeks ago. It was funny. Somebody else from their team called me a year ago, and they're still having the same problem. So maybe we'll actually get the contract finally. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are restrictions that the state of Kentucky has placed that impact what services they offer. And because they've decided they don't wanna go for the higher level licensure, it limits the appeal of their particular property to who will come. And then you look at you know what it costs and then Illinois got something different. State of Washington, if they give you one piece of medication or set up your medication, now you are designated an assisted living resident. Mm. Well, there are a lot of people I know who just need that little bit of help but they don't consider themselves to be assisted living. And so each state's got a permutation. And then you, then you add another layer with the federal government on top of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every time you turn around, there's another shift and change in reimbursement. And, you know, it is overwhelming for a provider to, to be able to maintain that. And then you've got the change in compliance. And then you've got how the hospitals are looking as healthcare is impacting hospital providers. Well, as they're now looking at more community-based uh, health issues and they're taking responsibility now, they're intersecting closer with the post-acute discharge. So that skilled nursing rehab has now got more influence from the hospital. And if you don't have, if you don't have at least, you know, four or five star rating, they won't look at you. Mm-hmm. It, and, you know, and then there's this whole question about how do the, how do those um, Medicare ratings get set? And mm-hmm. if you have one hiccup, you might get two stars. And, you know, so everybody is, is being inundated from all these different layers. And so that's one of the disruptors that we look at as a market force is is how that layer of, of government involvement is. And so I tell a lot of providers if they're new to the industry and you know they don't they're gonna have to hire people to run the healthcare side, mm-hmm. my suggestion often to them is why don't you look at active adult housing as your first foray? Because with active adult housing, it's really that maintenance free living um, you can create a you know a beautiful um, multi uh, single family or multifamily development mm-hmm. where it's single floor living. Um, they've got all the accoutrements and amenities in the apartment. They have a beautiful self serve fitness center. Maybe they have a pool. Um, they have a community room with a big community kitchen. So if I want to have a party, I can have a party down there, and residents can use that if they want to do self-directed activity. The ones that we see all across the country, many of those are actually full, and it's a much easier entry point for um, somebody who's looking at getting their toe in this industry because they're dealing with older adults, and but they're dealing with older adults who have some affluence but aren't in the healthcare 
phase of life yet. Mm -hmm. So they can get to know their residents and help them age in place and begin to bring in and add additional resources they need as they need to. And for some, uh, you can make a lot of money if you can craft it well Mm -hmm. um, and they fill faster, but it has to be price calibrated to the market. The one, the provider I was telling you about in Ohio, they also did um, an active adult development Um, as part of their 16-acre campus, (laughs) the one that was tanking. Well, their active adult isn't doing any better. They're only about 40 to 42% occupied after being open for a year and a half. And it's because they're priced probably about $400 to $500 above the market price for what they should be priced at based on the competitive analysis. But they wanted to try and get more money, so they added a couple extra things like biweekly housekeeping, one meal a week, things like that, that a truly active older adult isn't interested in. Mm-hmm. So they've created a disinterest on the part of some of the consumers that they were targeting, and their price points are too high relative to the market. And their consumers are telling them quite clearly with not moving in that that there's a mismatch to what they're offering and what the market is looking for. We've looked at the numbers. There, we've we've dissected and followed that market for, like I said, for almost 15 years, and there is plenty of room for active adult housing in that marketplace, but it has to be done right. Mm. Well, that's certainly the key. It sounds like, and I'm sure people can learn a lot more by reading your book. I would love it. It's called Market Forces: Strategic right. Trends Impacting Senior Living Combi- uh, Providers. You can order it. It's available on Amazon. Um, you can special order it through Barnes and Noble, and and any independent bookstore um, can can help uh, place an order for you and get it. They won't have it on their shelves, but they can they can get it for you. Wonderful. And do you have any events coming up uh, where you'll be speaking and? talking about your book um not right now we've most of the things that we're doing are private events so you know we go we're we've got a series of events where we're going into um uh provider communities and talking to their executive level but those aren't open to the public so Mm -hmm. um but i'm i i do a lot of speaking i am a professional speaker and um you know i'm a phone call away from actually having an answer to that okay and so people can get in touch with you, uh, I, I would imagine, via your website? They can. My website is www.jcs-usa.com. Again, that's www.jcs-usa.com, and it's JCS for Johnson Consulting Services, so jcs-usa.com. Great. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you, Jill, and I've certainly learned a lot just from listening to you talk about uh, and, and convey all your experience here. So. It was my pleasure. Yeah, well, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, editor of Finance and Commerce, Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.